Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of To the West and Back, where I get to talk to the people that influence and inspire me. Today, my special guest is Ash Forrest. Ash, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. No problem. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, Maybe let's start out by uh, diving into your backstory and kind of seeing your journey so far. Sure. Um, So I guess I would say that I've always been an artist, um, first and foremost. Um, I have been an artist since I was could hold a crayon. Um, I went to school. I got my BFA in fine art um, with an emphasis specifically in printmaking. Um, And then once I graduated college, I it was in 2009. It was during a recession uh, and it was tough to find a job. And I basically I got into marketing. I became a marketing director for an agency. um, And then as I had that job, I discovered photography. So I actually discovered photography out after I graduated college. Um, And I very quickly, within a few months of discovering photography, um, (laughs) established a business and and started doing weddings full time about a year later. Um, And I did that for several years um I did photography for several years um the unfortunate part of that story is it uh it sort of took over my life and I didn't continue creating um art and fine art um all of my energy went towards photography understanding business understanding how to run a successful wedding photography business um and so I kind of put art on the back burner um and that is until recently uh in the past few years I've transitioned out of photography and back into uh to art so I would say that's that's a little bit of my backstory wow that's cool um maybe let's start with um like how did you leave a business or like something that you loved like that I think a lot of people like I think I definitely would struggle with leaving something that I really loved and built up like how did you um make that decision to to stop doing the photography and uh pursue your person or passion of creating art you know, it wasn't easy, um, especially when you're doing something that uh, is paying the bills, you know, and it, and it was doing well. Um, it's it's a really scary it's really scary to to leave something that is for sure and is certain and is guaranteed, um, and just to kind of like leave that. Um, but you know, I knew I wasn't happy it, when I first started with wedding photography. I would get really excited. Like before a wedding, I was pumped. I I, like had shots in mind. I knew what I was, you know, going to do. I I was just really, really like, I was really excited when I would edit the the photos. I just, I was so excited, just excited from start to finish. Um, After several years went on, you know, it got to a point where I was dreading the weekend. You know, I just, I, I was, I was getting, I didn't want to do it anymore. I just, the, the spark was completely gone. Um, And I had to do something about that. You know, I didn't I didn't want to continue taking contracts a year and a half out if I knew that I wasn't going to be happy. Um, So I slowly transitioned. And and luckily with photography, it's such a um, there's so many things you can do with it that I was able to kind of transition into a different type of photography. Um, So I just stopped. I just I had to be really strict with myself. I had to say no. 
when people asked about shooting weddings, I had to say, you know, no, I can't, I can't shoot your wedding. And, and it was really hard. I won't lie. It's, it's not easy. Um, but I had to just put those boundaries up for myself and, and stop accepting them. Um, and that's how I was able to finally transition out. It's not easy, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I think that that's definitely hard for a lot of people to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have like a system in place for yourself of like saying no to things that you don't want to do or kind of like how did you teach yourself to say oh no? Oh my gosh. I So that that is something that took me years and years and years. It wasn't really until the last few years of my life that I finally understood the power of no. I was always the person who said yes to everything. I, I always wanted to make everyone happy. Um, I always... Uh, would always do all of the things, um, for everyone all the time. Uh, and I thought, you know, that it was a good thing. It was a good quality to have, you know, to be the person that people can depend on and that can do so many things. Um, and it wasn't until I got older that I realized that, you know, that was actually bad. And it, whenever you're doing all of the things, you can't do the right things to the best of your abilities. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard because you fight with yourself a little internally cause you don't want to let people down. Um, but saying no is, it's just so important. I just, I can't stress that enough. Like in understanding what, where you should put your energy and where you should give your energy and then fully committing to that hundred percent instead of saying yes to everything is, it, it was just such a game changer for me. That's such good advice. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to to use that for sure. I think I, I've kind of fallen into that of like kind of trying to say yes to everything, and in the past few years, kind of gotten better about saying no. So yeah. I think that is fantastic advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's transition to uh, talking about your your current art. Um, kind of just tell us a little bit about like what you create. Yeah. So um, I mentioned that I went. I actually got my degree in printmaking, and that's what I studied in college. Um, but I, I always have had a passion for painting and specifically um, for abstract painting. Um, and there's, you know, there's something about uh, layers that really inspire me. Um, texture, layering different textures and opacities. Um, almost I would relate it, a li- relate it a little bit to sculpture in a way. Um, and the way that my process works with painting, um, I kind of, I put on layers of different, um, mediums and I, I pull away layers to reveal layers underneath. And it's a, it's a process, um, that I would relate to sculpture a bit. Um, and I like to work really big and that's something that I always compromised in the past. Um, whether it was, you know, because it costs more to paint really big <laughs> for more yeah. materials more, and you need more space. Um, and that's something that I, um, I stopped compromising on. I, I said, you know, if, if I, if I want to paint big, I'm going to go big. I'm going to do what I have to do to, to paint what I want. You know, it's kind of relating back to the, to the photography thing, right? It's like, I'm not going to do something halfway. I want to do something. If I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it, you know, the way that I want to do it. Um, so, so yeah, I paint, I paint really big pieces. Um, I use a lot of different, uh, mix mediums that I mix with the paint to give different textures. So maybe you'll have like a glossy layer on top of, um, a really gritty matte, you know, texture. Um, and I'm uh, just about to start a new series actually, uh, that's going to involve a lot of collaging, uh, in addition to, uh, the painting. 
That sounds really cool. Yeah, I love that process too. I love watching your videos of kind of like how you do the paintings and everything like that. I want to do more of that. Uh, I've been really inspired by watching artist vlogs on YouTube. Um, Specifically, there's an artist. Her name's Furry Little Peach is what she goes by. Um, She's an Australian illustrator. So her art isn't like what I do. Um, She she does primarily illustrations, but um, her vlogs are amazing. And I... You know, I have these video skills from having shot weddings and doing yeah. wedding videos. I I really want to start putting that to use and making some vlogs. So I think that might be something that I, I put a little more focus on this year. Yeah, that's cool. And that's cool that you can use kind of the past skills from another thing that you did to kind of help you with the, the current thing that you're passionate about. So that's Definitely. cool. Definitely, um, yeah. When you are doing the abstract painting, do you like how? What's your? Is it? Can you like see the painting in your mind, or you do you kind of just like let the ideas flow whenever you're doing it? Like, how does that work for you? You know, I for the most part, I I let the ideas flow. I'll I'll usually have a color palette in mind, um, and I have an idea insofar as um, what textures I'm wanting to use. Um, but I'm a huge fan of of letting things flow, and then curating them so letting something happen letting mistakes happen um well there are no mistakes if you're just letting things flow right and then and then stepping away and then coming back the next day and you know maybe i cover up parts of it or you know maybe i completely cover up half of it um and carve parts out um so it's kind of like a discovery um each time there there will be times once i get towards the end of a painting where i We'll take a photograph of it and pop it into my iPad um, and just kind of play around there and see like, oh, what would happen if I changed this color or add a a line here? Um, So, you know, once I get towards the end of a piece, there's a little bit more, a little bit more intention, you know, as I'm finishing it up. But when I start, it's, it's very just like free flow. That's cool. Yeah, I really I enjoy hearing about people's kind of their process and how they do their craft. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, how do you recommend that people continue to improve their craft, um, specifically for painters and, you know, um, just in general for creatives as well? Like, How do you continue to improve your craft of painting? Um, I would say uh, just experimenting and and just keep to keep doing it. I talked a little bit about when I jumped to photography, how I put my painting on a shelf um and I didn't paint for years and sometimes you know I deeply regret that because I think man if I just would have stuck with painting all all this time and not stopped you know I mean you can't you know of course think that way and you can't you can't live that way but but truly I think that if you if you want to improve your craft that it's really important to just always be making and there's this quote um that you can look up by ira glass and it's uh if you look up ira glass the gap um it's this quote where he's he's addressing writers um but it applies to like all creatives and he he's talking about um how important it is to just kind of keep making um that you know you you because you're a creative, you have this idea of, of what is good and like what your taste is. Um, but you're not going to be able to achieve that until you just always, always make, just always be making. 
think that's great advice. Yeah, definitely. It's like uh, for photography too. It's like if you, you know, just keep taking photos, even of just like kind of, you know, necessarily nothing on like on like an empty street, you can kind of learn how to make that look cool and, you know, photograph things in different ways. So I think that's great advice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, who, yeah, for sure. Um, who are some uh, artists that inspire you? Oh man. Well, I mentioned Furry Little Peach. Um, she's an illustrator. She's awesome. I love her so much. Uh, I actually, I did get an iPad this year because I wanted to start getting into illustration. Um, my plans have altered this year as everyone's have. And so I haven't focused on it as much as I wanted to. Uh, but I really, really love, love her a lot. Um, there's also an artist, her name is Heather Day. Um, and she's, she's, uh, been someone who's been very inspiring to me because, I relate a lot to her work. She's another um, large-scale abstract artist um, who works with layers and like spontaneity. Um, and so I, 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 I really admire her a lot. Uh, she interviews different artists on her IG live, um, and she's really good at speaking. And yeah, those are both two two women artists that I I, I love a lot. That's cool. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna check out their work. Um, I think I've seen you share some of their work before, so probably yeah. The, the, na- the names sound familiar for sure. And you just got some cool news um, about having some art in a cool place in St. Louis. So, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so, I am going to have some large originals that I'm making for the St. Louis airport. Um, they will be going up in 2022, which I'm really thankful that the ins- that's when the install date is, um, and they're going to be similar to all of my current work uh, insofar as the layering and the colors, um, but they're going to be based off of photographs that I took um, from the airplane uh, over St. Louis, like as you're, as you're flying back into St. Louis. Um, I took one at night and one uh, during the day. Um, so they're going to be based off of those photographs. That's so cool. That's so exciting. How did you uh, get that opportunity? So about, I think it's every three years, uh, I believe the, the airport, um, opens up for, uh, admissions you can, or submissions, um, from artists that you can basically, it's like just any sort of, um, it's the same process. You just, you come up with a concept, you show your work, um, you do a write up, um, and they have a panel of, um, people of judges who, uh, who select the artists that will be exhibiting for the next three years. Um, so I believe it'll be up for about six months. Um, but it was really, it's actually, um, it was really cool kind of how I, how I came to apply. Uh, I had been traveling a lot in 2000, well, the last several years, um, but specifically in 2018 and 2019, um, for photography, and I was in the airport one time and I was looking at some art on the wall and I was like, you know what? And I just said it out loud. I like put my intentions out there into the world. And I was like, I'm going to have my art here sometime, you know, in the next couple of years. Like I'm just I'm putting it out there. And I, and I said it to Michael, my, my boyfriend. I was like, I'm putting, I'm putting it out there. I want to do that. And it was a week later that I got an email that the uh, submissions were open. And I was just like, whoa, if that, if that didn't work, then that's... Yeah, it's the sign from the universe. <laughs> right. So, so it was really cool. And then to apply and then to get accepted was just, it was great news. I'm super thankful. Yeah, I feel like the, the power of manifestation is definitely real. Um, yeah. have, you, have you used that in other um, ways in your life? 
You know, it's it's something that's relatively new to me. It's just the last couple years that I started kind of uh, focusing more on what I believe when it comes to energies and um, putting things out, you know, putting out vibes, energies or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think, you know, when I was younger, I was very proud of how logical and rational I was. Um, and and I'm and I'm happy that you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've, uh, become a, little, a lot more open-minded and a lot more, you know, accepting of the unknown. Um, and I think that, you know, putting out, putting out what you want to receive back is really important, whether that's, you know, how you treat people or, um, you know, literally saying, you know, your intentions out loud. Um, I think, I think energies and all of that is very real. And, um, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, what's one piece of advice that you would give anyone looking to make a, a career around something creative? I would say a good piece of advice would be to um, just always, always be honest with yourself. I think that sometimes we try to do something because we think it's the thing to do or we think it's the way that we can make money. Or we think that, you know, it's what other people are doing or things along those lines. And um, I think it's more important to really be honest with yourself about, you know, what makes you happy and what like kind of what 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 uh, that you can put out into the universe that um, you will be proud of. I think, um, you know, for me, like when I when I got into wedding photography, you know, I will be honest, I a, I wasn't um, super passionate about photography, and B, I was in no way passionate about weddings. <laughs> you know, I see a lot of wedding photographers, and their bios are like, "I just love weddings. I love love. I love the details." And that was never me. Um, I specifically got into wedding photography because I saw, I saw how um, lucrative it could be. Um, it was something. It was a skill I developed very quickly, and I saw it as a business. Um, I saw it more so as a business than a passion. Um, but that, as you can see, led to burnout. So I think it's really important to be really honest with yourself in, in what you're, in what you're doing and, and making sure that you're doing something that, that makes you happy, regardless of, uh, society, money and, and those sorts of things. I think that's great advice. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that we've talked about a lot is uh, putting systems in place. We can kind of transition to to talking about this. Um, why do you think systems are so important, you know, to be more efficient and things like yeah. that in your business or whatever you're doing? So to me, uh, systems are really important because, um, you know, I, I believe that you should not be working all of the time. I'm, I'm not a proponent of this hustle culture. Um, I used to be and when I was younger and uh, I, you know, I used to be a lot more of what you might even call a workaholic. Um, but, you know, I, I understand now that, that that's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And, and honestly, it's, um, it's because we're all, <laughs> we're all victims of capitalism that we've kind of been brainwashed that that's the way to be. Um, so that being said, I think that systems are really important because when you are working or when you are producing, um, the more efficient 
uh, and streamlined you can be, um, the quicker it can be done. And, and the more time you have to focus on living your life and the more time you have to focus on, you know, enjoying people around you and, you know, being inspired by others and helping others. Um, these are the things that I find really important. So, you know, when you have systems in place, you're able to really spend less time doing, uh, work. Yeah. What, um, I know it's putting systems in for me with my photography business really helps. You know, after we talked, you showed me um, some cool ways to kind of uh, make the process easier of booking weddings. Um, Mm -hmm. But what kind of systems do you recommend creatives put in place? So I think uh, something really important about uh, implementing systems is that you, you find ones that work best for you. Um, So for me and, and like what I have shown you um, the systems that I use um, you know, they're very similar to spreadsheets. Uh, I use a system specifically called Airtable for almost everything I do. Um, And I like to implement automations within uh, these systems. Um, But I know some people that, you know, their system is they have to write pen to paper. You know, they need, they need to have a journal next to them on their desk with pen to paper um, I know some people that their system is a Google calendar where they have alerts set on every single item. Um, so I think um, instead of uh, trying to like make a system work for you, uh, what's what's most important is to experiment with different systems and find which one that you that you like naturally are better at and which ones like naturally kind of like work for you because um, everybody's going to be different. Um, so what works for me, um, you know, is my very, my very detailed, um, you know, elaborate Airtable system. That's what works for me. Um, that is, that is how I uh, can be the most efficient. Um, but for others, it's different. I will suggest one thing, though, since we're talking about efficiency. Um, and that is uh, this thing called the Pomodoro uh, method. I don't know if you're familiar, if we've talked about this before. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard of that. So the concept is um, Pomodoro, meaning like a tomato, like, you know, those little kitchen timers that are like a tomato shape. And oh, that's, yeah. that's kind of yeah. where the, the word comes from. But but um, the concept is that you you work, you work uh, distractionless for a chunk of time. Um, and then you set. So basically, say your Pomodoro chunk of time is 25 minutes. That's what I do. So when I sit down to work. Um, I'm going to work for like client A. I set my, the timer is set for 25 minutes and I work no distractions. So I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm not, you know, I'm not um, chatting on discord. I I have nothing besides what I'm working on specifically. Um, And then when that timer goes off, you know, I get up, I stretch, drink some water, I do what I got to do. And then I work for another chunk of time. And when you work this way, it helps you to work twice as fast right because like if I sat down and I had chat windows open or if I was listening to a podcast I would really be working like twice as long to get the work done um, than if I did focused chunks Um, and it's also a way to kind of start to understand how to break down your day so I think of things in these measurements now so when I see a project I think okay that would take me three pomodoros you know, that would take me, you know, four Pomodoros. And then I can kind of start structuring my day in a way that's like super efficient. 
Um, and there's a there's actually a browser extension called Toggle. It's T-O-G-G-L. And uh, you can uh, put it into your browser. And when you sit down to start work, you can click on it and you can write who you're, you know, what work you're doing and it'll log it for you and it'll automatically go off at your set time that you set for the Pomodoro. So um, that's been super helpful. It also helps me track how much time I'm putting in, in what clients. Dang, that's so that's so useful. I feel like I'm gonna implement that in the rest of my uh, my day to day with work I got going on. That sounds such like it's such a good idea. Yeah, it's great because then you know at the end of the week you can kind of evaluate like, okay, I spent you know four hours designing albums. I spent you know this much time like responding to emails, and you can kind of start to you know start building your days uh, more efficiently. Dang, that's so cool. That's why I love this podcast because I learned so <laughs> myself. <laughs> nice, good. Sweet. Yeah. So the systems that, yeah, that you've helped Airtable is amazing. I love that for sure. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, let's transition a little bit back into, um, your artwork. Uh, what do you hope that people feel when they see your art? You know, I, I love whenever I uh, am in front of a painting and I can just keep staring at it and seeing different stuff. Like when I can look at a piece and I can start to like imagine, shapes or imagine um, characters even or I can just kind of like get lost uh, in, in this world and and that's something that I, I would really hope that I am able to do with my work. Um, I, I don't have any overtly um, other than sometimes how I title my work and sometimes I'll put little hidden messages in pencil in <laughs> in my work. That's cool. Um, but outside of those two things that are pretty subtle, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any specific um, messages that I'm trying to drive with my work right now. Currently, um, I'm, I'm really just trying to kind of play around, play around with these mediums and textures and and build like uh, landscapes that might um, make people feel nostalgic you know, depending on what the color palette is, or, or they might uh, make people feel uh, a memory tied to um, a place, a specific place that they've been. Um, so right now, my, my work's really based on, um, you know, texture, color, feeling, nostalgia, mood, th those sorts of things. Um, I do have sometimes some snarky political undertones with my little hidden pencil marks but uh that's you know that's a little treasure you know if the person finds that <laughs> then, yeah then that's, that's cool um you know i that's not to say that my work won't change and i won't you know maybe become a little bit more bold with what i'm saying um but right now that's that's uh that's my process and that's kind of what what i hope that the viewer takes takes away that's so cool um why do you think it's so important for people to create and kind of get that need to create out of them? You know, when it comes to art, art specifically, you know, I, I'm a huge advocate of everyone making art. I think that there's almost this, um, like gatekeeping or this, like, this, like, um, I don't know. There's like this whole like, especially when you get into the to the gallery world and to the MFA world. Um, there's this there's this there's this thing about art where people are like, well, I I could never I could never make art, or I couldn't I can't even draw a stick figure. And and I think it's that people would really surprise themselves if they just tried. And I think that um, you know, 
it's up to us as artists to to take that away like that's it's not gatekeep you know like there's uh everyone should make art everyone should be able to make art art should be accessible to everyone um it shouldn't be this thing that you know just because i have my bfa or my mfa like i'm more versed in art than you like that's not true i think it's important for artists to make sure that art is accessible for everybody um because i i believe that there's a huge therapeutic quality to making art even if the final piece of what you created isn't something that you like or something that you would necessarily hang on your wall, there definitely are um, releases in the brain just in the act of creating and the act of, you know, taking your hand and putting it into some clay or like pushing some paint around on a canvas. Like there's a huge like benefit that's been proven scientifically that, you know, there's benefits to, to these acts. So you know, I, I would say that um, it's my hope that everybody, you know, tries, at least gives it a try, you know, like plays around with yeah. it a little bit um, at some point. Um, because, you know, you, you could surprise yourself. You could find something that just like with, you know, experimenting with different systems to see what works for you. I think, you know, people should experiment with all different kinds of art because I think there's something for everybody. Even people who say they're not creative and they're not artistic, I, I think it's untrue. I think everybody has that within themselves. It's just that, you know, we're, you're told that, you know, you're analytical, you're science, you're sciencey, you aren't, you know, you're not an artist. Like you're told, you're told all these things by society and those around you. And, um, I think it's important to kind of unlearn those things and to experiment. Yeah, I feel like creating is just so so cool. It's almost like because you can kind of get into a flow state and it's almost like a meditative thing in a way where it's like you're just focusing on that one thing, you Definitely. know, creating that one thing. And it just, I don't know, it's a, it's very therapeutic. Totally, 100%, yeah. Um, do you remember the moment when you're like, art's what I want to do for a living, like this is what I want to do? Um, do you remember that moment or was it kind of just over a period of time i mean you know as a kid i was always like i'm gonna be an artist when i grow up you know i was like like if there was like a board game and you got to like choose your career i always wanted to choose artists like i i was voted most likely to be an artist in high school like i've kind of always had this underlying like feeling like i'm gonna be an artist um but I mean, I will say like, once I graduated college, that, that, the, that fear, that capitalism brainwashing kind of came back into, into play a little bit. And it was like, well, wait, maybe I, maybe I can't be an artist. Like maybe I need to do something more practical. Um, and that's why I went into marketing and then wedding photography. Right. It was, it was like, you know, it was like, I felt like it was like a compromise. It was like, well, it's kind of artsy, right? Like I'm still, I'm still doing photography, like, like, yeah. it's like this compromise that I had given myself. Um, and luckily, like, um, I was able to snap back out of that and be like, wait, no, no, like, I want to be an I want to be an artist. I want to be an artist for whatever that means for me, you know, no compromises. That's great. Yeah, I'm glad you overcame that. Um, I love the piece. I love the piece that I bought. Um, I just love like the the texture on your paintings, like the the layering, like you were talking about. Like it's just cool. It's like a three dimensional feel to it. So yeah. Oh, cool, cool. For sure. Um, <laughs> how would how would you say that your mindset has shifted in the past five years? Oh man, my mindset, my mind, it has shifted a ton. I I would say, um, you know, in my twenties, I. I think I cared 
too much about um, just society and and the illusion of success and um, you know doing doing all the things in the right way. Um, I was definitely a workaholic. I I focus all of my energy on just making making the business better, making um, the business more successful. And while you know I am proud, I have to say I am proud of 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 what I did achieve during that time and what I learned, um, especially having not gone to business school or like you know any anything along those lines. Um, you know, I, I wasn't happy and, um, you know, there's tons of variables at play on, that can talk about why I wasn't happy during that time. But I think that, you know, my mind, sh- my mindset shifting from, uh, understanding that your value as a human, like, isn't determined on what you, pr- your output of work, um, understanding that it was, was, was a big step for me. Um, I think, you know, again, with the the way that our society works, we tend to like put this huge value on how much work somebody does. Like, did you work 40 hours? <laughs> like, like, and um, instead of putting value on just being human, you know, and just like existing and like experiencing life. Um, so that, that was a big uh, shift in how I thought. Definitely. Ah, I love that. That's so cool. Um, well, this has been such a great episode, Ash. Um, I just have a few more questions for you, but thank you for uh, taking the time to be here today. And I think I've learned so much too. Um, so I hope everyone listening learns a lot as well. I'm, I'm so excited that you asked me to be on your podcast. I remember being with you uh, when you were talking about the idea of the podcast. So it's super cool to, to now be on, be on the podcast. I know. <laughs> yeah. Michael did the awesome logo and everything. So nice yeah i'll I'll come full circles in san diego yeah 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 feels feels like a long time ago it does it feels (laughs) like years ago yes (laughs) oh man um let's just do a few things like uh talking about books and podcasts um what's one book that has changed your life and that you think people should read you know um the book that I think everyone should read um and the book that definitely changed my life was uh Asada Shakur's autobiography. Um, so Asada Shakur, she was a member of the Black Liberation Army. Um, she was wrongfully accused of um, killing a police officer during a, shoot- a shootout on a. Um, this was back in, I want to say, gosh, late seventies, late seventies, um, and she was wrongfully put in prison. She escaped prison. She now lives in Cuba, um, on political asylum. And, uh, her story is, um, it's just, I just suggest everyone reads this autobiography. I read it in, I think 2014. And this was, um, this was right after the, the murder of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, and I would say this was, this was the f- when my eyes opened for the first time to really understanding uh, the really systemic uh, racism. Like I, I had a, a loose understanding of it before, 
Um, but this is when I really started my journey on, on not just being not racist, but being, uh, actively anti-racist. And I think that that is one of the most important things, um, that we can do is to work on how to be actively anti-racist. Um, so reading Asada's book, um, was hugely eye-opening for me. And it just kind of set me on this trajectory of, of, of seeking out more black, uh, authors, more books by written by black, um, people, black women specifically. Um, and, uh, yeah, that would be the book that I would definitely recommend. Cool. Well, I'm definitely have to add that to my reading list. And I feel like you've been sharing a lot of great resources for people to learn. So thank you. I've been trying to read everything that you've been sharing um, and just trying to learn as best as I can. So I appreciate all of the, uh, the time that you've taken to do that. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Well, let's end with talking about some other podcasts. Um, do you have any podcasts that are kind of like up there in your top favorite ones that you listen to pretty consistently? I do. And, you know, I, I, I realize now that I don't listen to as many podcasts as I, I would like to. And I, I don't know if that's because I'm more of a visual person. So I tend to gravitate towards like artist blogs and, and YouTube uh, yeah. podcasts. Um, but there are a few podcasts that I, I do enjoy. Um, one is another really important uh, black woman uh anti-racist educator. Um, her name is Layla F. Saad, uh, and she has a podcast called um, Good Ancestor, Good Ancestor Podcast. And I think that's a really, really great podcast to add to your library. Um, she's also the author of the workbook called uh, Me and White Supremacy, which is another book that I would say every white person should own. It's a workbook. It has prompts. Um, it takes you through 30 days of prompts to really start to kind of understand how you're complicit in these systems of oppression without even realizing it. Um, and it's like very, very important tool, I think, um, to starting to understand how to be an anti-racist. Um, so that that's one. Um, another one that I really like is called So Many White Guys. And it's, uh, it's, I think the executive producer is Alana Glazer. Um, Alana Glazer is a comedian that I adore. She's the sec other, she's one half of Broad City. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Uh, I don't think so. Oh man. Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson have a TV show called Broad City and it was, it was one of my favorite sitcoms, but, um, but she, it's called So Many White Guys. It's, uh, it's hosted by Phoebe Robinson. And the idea is that, you know, every, every uh, guest, it's, it's like a more of a, pop culture kind of thing every guest is um is a a person of color um and then they have their token white guy on the last episode of the season <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really funny um and i i really enjoy phoebe and alana um and then you know the other podcast that i have actually been listening to pretty actively is the office ladies which is um the off the podcast of uh, with um pam and angela from the office angela that sounds fun. yeah and they and they just they just they go over every they they do it chronologically they go over every episode of the office and they just talk about you know the behind the scenes and like and i i'm i have seen the office probably as a series whole 
at least a hundred times and I'm not even exaggerating. Like I, I think I have every episode memorized. I watch it every night. That and That's Parks awesome. And, yeah. Office and Parks and Rec are just like, yeah. Parks and Rec's great. Yeah. That I just, I just watch them constantly. So, um, so it's been really cool to, to hear the behind the scenes of, of, of the making of the office through their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that's great we'll have to add those to my list for sure um well thanks so much for being here today ash where can uh, people find you on the socials um you can find me on ashforest.com with two r's uh ashforest on instagram and if you're lucky enough to find me on twitter <laughs> i'm there too <laughs> uh my twitter handle is a little different it's it's charlie saint monica and that's because i was a twitch streamer for a while and that was my twitch handle um so that's my twitter and that's where you can go for my hot takes and <laughs> and a little more a little more spicy content there. <laughs> yeah, got it a little more spicy content i like that <laughs> yeah. um, and definitely if you're listening to this podcast go check out her social media and her website and check out all of her really cool paintings on there as well um and yeah thanks so much for being here today ash i appreciate you taking the time and giving us all your great knowledge oh thank you so much it was so much fun i loved it Awesome. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too.